Welcome to the Kingdom Mandate. Join us each Saturday as we share empowering and equipping messages that reflect on the Kingdom of God according to His sovereign will for mankind to remain in His covenant order. Get your clarion call and follow us on Blog Talk Radio, Kingdom Empowerment, Inc. talking about what will it be like in um, these end times, these last days that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24. And again, we're coming out of Genesis 6. And I am the host, Donna Ganny. I also have here with me uh, co-host, Sister Spencer Tyler. Um, Minister Belinda is out today, but she will be back with us next week. So, I hope that you will continue joining us. We um, are glad to be here. And um, we're going to take a deep dive into the Bible. Uh, We love to uh, teach out of the Holy Bible in its uh, purest context as God has given us so we can expose his original intent. But before we get started, I want to ask Sister Spencer, uh, Tyler, can you open us up in prayer? Sure. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, God. We thank you today that we have the opportunity to be able to convene together, to study your word, to be able to feel, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray that you anoint our mouths with the words that you want us to speak today and that everyone that's under the sound of our voice hear uh, your words, as Sister said, with your original intent, God. Heavenly Father, we know it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you cause all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, God. So we pray that we would diligently study your word, read, mark, and learn, and inwardly digest everything that you have given us so graciously, O oh God. And we ask that you help those who are listening and that us, that we come of a knowledge of salvation and your will for our lives. We know that we don't live by bread alone, O oh God, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. We ask that you, as we feed on your word today, that you make us hungry for the living man of God that came down from heaven. We ask that the spirit of all truth open our minds today as we read and study your word, and that we be willing to be led in truth, God, and be taught that your will 
in each of our lives. And we ask that you give us willing hearts and an opportunity to share with others the pearls of truth that you would teach us today, God. Open the eyes of our understanding. Prepare our hearts by the word of your spirit that we may receive your word, O God, with much joy, much rejoicing. And may we leave today uh, not being the same, but having a deeper understanding of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. We thank you for your word, God. We know your word is truth and life. It's nourishment for our souls. It gives us a spirit. Thank you for the desire for us to study. And as we study your word, God, may your name praise God. You are alone, are holy, and good. We ask that you open our eyes, our truth, to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice, God. Open our hearts to receive what you have for us. And open our lips to speak only which glorifies you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Father. And thank you also to Sister Spencer for the prayer. Um, amen. Let us first. Amen. Let us first start at it um, in Matthew 24. I'm going to read from verse 35, where Jesus said um, Himself, Jesus Christ of, of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. This is what He said. He said, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My words shall not pass away." But that day and an hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And it says, And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And we know that um, God gave them 120 years to repent before the days of Noah. So I want to jump into Genesis 6. Um, Sister Spencer, before we uh, discuss it a little bit more, because I just wanted to point out, Jesus said it will be like the days of Noah. So, amen. And so in Genesis uh, 6, verses 1, it says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man, for they, for that he is also his flesh. For that he also is flesh. Yet his day shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth. In those days and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they they bare children to them. And the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God said that the wickedness of men was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And it repented that the Lord, uh, it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved Him, His heart, 
And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowl of the air, and for it repented me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and a perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence, through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. An ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch in with it, pitch it within, and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, and the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shall thou make to the ark, and in the cubit shall thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shall thou set in the side thereof, with a lower second and third story shalt thou make it. Behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But will I establish my covenant and shall come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shall thou bring into the ark. To keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female, of fowls every their kind, of cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee. And for them, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Amen. I have been reading in Matthew 24, verses 35, I read 35 through 39, and I just read the entire book of uh, chapter in the book of Genesis. Uh, chapter 6. For those that may be following us, if you have your Bible there, that would be a good idea. You can take notes as uh, Minister Spencer prayed uh, for because it's important for us to digest and process the Word of God and allow it to, that is what will keep us in this hour. Um, Minister, uh, Sister Spencer, please share what the Lord has given you um, in this topic for today. Well, I was just thinking about how, you know, as you were reading, 
how um, wicked the um, times had become. And the writer, Moses, tells us that God saw that wickedness was so great that every intent of the thoughts of the man's heart was only evil, evil all the time. That says a lot. It means that no aspect of the man's nature was not, there was no aspect of man's nature that was not corrupted, meaning that not only that they were practicing these things, but they had no intention on stopping. They were evil and it, all the time. And when you think about that, the this statement that he makes here is hard. I can't even wrap my mind around a people who were thinking bad thoughts. The days and those Noah days were, so will the Son of Man be. So in other words, the conditions of the world before the coming of Jesus would be just like the conditions that the world experienced before the flood. In Genesis 6-1, we learn that it's an exploding population. Men begin to increase in number on the earth. We learn in Genesis, Genesis, and then again in Genesis 6-5, we learn that they Hearts were constantly evil all the time. And in Genesis 6:11, there's widespread corruption and violence. So such as though that the Lord was sorry that he had made man and that he was grieved in his heart. And God's sorrow at man and his grief in his heart is striking because it doesn't mean that um, creation was out of control, nor does it mean that God maybe hoped for something better but was unable to achieve achieve it. He knew all along that these how things would turn out because we know our God knows from the beginning from the end. But it, I think this text clearly tells us that God sees his as he sees his plan unfold, it affects him. It grieves him. I mean, God is not a God that is unfeeling or doesn't understand the face of human sin and how it feels for people to rebel. But we learn that Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord of God. And when God commanded all the earth to be cleansed of the the wickedness that he saw, it was was in one man that he began to find find, uh, favor with, and it was Noah. So he didn't have to, and and that just impressed upon me that Noah didn't have to find or earn God's grace. He found it. No one, we don't have to earn grace, but we can all find it in, in, in God. So, and and I just think about God's calling him to build the ark and how great that must be and just the dimensions of the ark. So um, I, I think it's impressive mm-hmm. for me that the writer even felt the need to tell us how big it was and how wide it was and to, you know, to express upon our minds the what God had called this man to do with with, with whatever he had available, you know, God told him, instructed him exactly on how he wanted him to fulfill his, you know, his uh, purpose um, in order to save him and his family and and, uh, start the world over again. So for me, I guess I I just, it it pressed upon me that we live in perilous times. Like you said, it's seen God, he called him humanity to give them 120 years to change their evil ways because in Genesis 6, 3, he tells them that, his spirit shall not strive with man forever because of their name, their, their uh, you know, time was limited. So when we're living also in a society that at large is seeming like they're um, 
not repenting. And we live in a time where people have a disrespect for life. There's demonic activity, sexual perversion, and history, it often, often repeats. I think a, a risk that people take when they're rejecting God's merciful call to repentance is that their hearts can be hardened, just like these people who thought about evil all the time. And the first time God brought judgment on the earth, it was by great flood of water. The next time God punishes the whole earth, it will be when Jesus comes back, where it talks about in Isaiah that he will when his angel will be fury and he will rebuke with flames of fire and judge by the sword. And so I just believe that Christ's warning was for us today because when he comes back in great power and he comes back in his majesty to save a world, they're going to be taken by surprise too. And a vast majority of them will still be eating and drinking and focusing on their everyday lives, being un- not aware of the dangerous times that we're living in. And just like people in Noah's day, people in the end times will be ignoring the warning message and rejecting God's people. And Noah was a God. A, a, was a, a man of God, and he was very likely mocked and ridiculed for preaching righteousness. And so we know that in the last days that there will be scoffers saying, where is this promise coming? So I, I just, will God get our attention before that time comes? Will we repent of our sins and turn to God? When Christ comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good, and that's absolutely true. Um, you know, there there will be people that will be like Noah, uh, building to the plans of God, structuring to the plans of God, and warning according to God. And there will also be people, like you said, mocking. Um, you know, I, we haven't seen it yet. They said that. You know, they they sent all of these uh, prophets before, and it didn't happen. And the the mind, the consciousness of the mind will be uh, sensitized to uh, believing that everything is okay. Um, and when I'm talking about sensitized, I'm talking about if you put, uh, you, you know, have a bunch of germs on the uh, a plate and you desensitize it with a little bit of alcohol, they spread out. But when it's sensitized, it's all connected together, joined together, like uh, they bond together and continue to increase and grow and infect, and and, uh, bacteria begins to uh, even go outside of the veil if you don't close it up tight. So it's the the same uh, thing. So if, if the infection is not contained, so if there's not an increase in the body of Christ to contain the infection, um, or to, uh, you know, spiritual govern, not not regular government, but spiritual govern uh, these infestations that increase, uh, of course they will continue to grow. And and uh, a lot of people will say that was in the Old Testament. That's, that's not in the New Testament. Well, Jesus said it would be like in the last day. That's New Testament. Peter also talked about it. Peter brought it out as well in, in his uh, writings. He said in, um, he talked about how God had long suffering in the days of Noah. I'm just going to read in uh, 1 Peter 3, um, Quickly, I'm reading from 17 through 22. He said, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer 
for well-doing than for evil-doing. And, and, you know, a lot of people feel uh, uncomfortable with, with suffering, but, you know, and when it comes to the things of God to fulfill his glory, sometimes you're going to suffer for it. How are you going to suffer? People are going to mock you. Um, people will offend you. Uh, you're going to be anxious for for something to end or something to uh, move forward, and and it's it's uncomfortable. It's not going to be a pretty scene, but but yet we have the Holy Spirit to comfort us. We also have a provider. He is Yahweh Yahweh Yiri. He will provide for us. He's not going to leave us forsaken. It's um, going to be uh, certain things that you know. It's not going to be comfortable because the evil, if the evil or the infection, the uh, bacteria, the germs continue to increase, and there's nothing, no alcohol to splatter it to to cease it, it, it will continue to grow. There's if there's no Holy Ghost. If people don't allow the Holy Ghost to to uh, prevail in those environments, and if the prayer unto the kingdom of God doesn't increase with the faith and the authority of God. In, in, in those communities, um, faith will continue to grow because we need spiritual government. We need spiritual mm-hmm. governorship. We need the go- mighty governor, Jesus Christ, to rule over it in Jesus' mm-hmm. mighty name. So, so the only way we're going to do that is, again, to go back to the first roots, to the first love that God has given us so that we can uh, uh, desensitize. Desensitize the growth, the infection that is increasing. So the the Bible mm-hmm. says in First uh, Peter uh, chapter three again. He says for eighteen first Christ for Christ also has once suffered for for sins, the just for the unjust, the just for the unjust, the righteous for the un- unrighteous, the, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickening by the spirit. Now, uh, spiritually, the, 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 uh, some have been caved uh, from moving and, and fulfilling the purpose that God has given uh, us, con- containing uh, by the mocking, containing by saying, don't say Jesus Christ here, don't speak Jesus Christ there, uh, only mm-hmm. Jesus Christ only belongs off in your environment. Don't go out on the streets and, and hand out tracts because there's a, a ordinance or a law for that. Don't do this over there, you know. But if if we, uh, the body of Christ, continue to allow the infestation, is, are we uh, pleading, are, are we suffering for the sins uh, of the unjust, are we the just doing what we're supposed to do for the unjust? to bring them to the knowledge of Christ, because Christ said he's coming for the sick and the sinner. And he said, Amen. go ye into the highways and the byways. Hallelujah. So um, he said that he might bring us to God. He might bring us to God. Being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God. So if, we, mm-hmm. if we're going to be quickened, we have to connect with that thing that quickens us, and that is the Holy Ghost. It's not going to come through man, and, and we also have to touch to the vine and drink from the vine, sup with the vine, and, and, and it doesn't come by just uh, severing ourselves and putting our focus on the things of this world. 
we have to put our focus on God because uh, truly Jesus Christ said, uh, uh, "You, if you're born again and you you, you have the uh, you'll have the reign of God in the earth. You have the kingdom of God with you. So we're not supposed to just allow." Uh, we should be able to possess our possessions, as the Lord says. We should be able to speak a thing as though that it were and it manifests. That we should be able to overtake our, uh, our, the environment spiritually. We should govern spiritually. We're not Amen. talking about a physical government. The corner mind thinks of the things of the uh, corner mind, but the things of the spirit focuses on the spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' so name. Says, Amen. But which also he went and preached unto the spirits in the prison, okay? So now, are we talking about a physical prison or a spiritual prison in, in this hour? We're talking about both. We have physical prisons. There's some preachers off in the prison There's some uh, that need to be revived and, and provoked to t- take command and authority over them demonic, demonic demons that exist in those environments. There's some uh, people who are spiritually uh, in prison that need to be broken and, and loose from their captivity, again, in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And in verse, verse 20, it says, we sometime were disobedient. When when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by the water. Uh, Abraham said, if there be one righteous. If there be, he, he called it all the way down to the bottom level so that God would have mercy to bring his nephew Lot out, out of that. Are we um, doing what we're called to do? Noah built that ark. Noah planned, took God's plan and prepared, built that ark for people, his family, to be able to go off into it. Are we preparing the ark? Are we, taking, are we seeking God's for his plan? for the righteous? Are we seeking God's plan for the unjust to bring them into righteousness? What are we doing in this hour? What are we doing? So eight souls were saved by the water. Out of all of this population on the earth, because you see, in those days, the, the earth was increasing. That was the blessing, the blessing that was given, that you will be fruitful and multiply uh, he told, he said, you will be fruitful and multiply. And this, there was an increase going on in the earth. And the increase was so much that it could not be governed. It was not governed, and it was just so loose. They had no uh, law, uh, law. They had no uh, type of uh, government in the earth. They had nothing structured for them. So they were just doing anything, anyhow. And because we have become so loose, oh, it's okay that you do that. It's okay that you function like that. God God will still love you. Yes, he will still love you, but if without any uh, uh, governmentship, spiritual governmentship by the word of God, you know, people will just go and they will become infested. They will become infested. They will become infested. And in order to mm-hmm. stop that infestation we have to have spiritual government in place 
so that we can save more souls in this hour because Jesus has empowered 21 it says the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us not the putting away the, uh, of, of the filth of the flesh but the answer of the good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who is gone unto heaven and is on the right hand side and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So if it is subject to him and he has given us the reign of God in earth and he's at the right hand of the Father in the honorable seat and he said that we will be um, interjecting other scriptures, he said we will be seated in what we have over the demonic systems, the demonic power, or are we running in the flesh trying to solve these unto the glory of God here in the earth? Now, um, is it going to be perfect when Jesus tells us uh, about the last days? And, uh, I, 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 you know, for God to destroy the whole earth and save only eight, eight so burden on the, on the, uh, for the body of Christ to really rev up uh, our, our evangelism um, into the streets and the highways and the byways, it should be um, a major burden to to save souls and to build up the kingdom of God as the Lord originally mandated. Now, this a man was great in the earth. You know, there's there's so much crime, even in some of our own neighborhoods, murder, uh, mm-hmm. theft, uh, rape. Uh, it, the basics of the Ten Commandments is, has just become like it doesn't have any uh, relevance in this time. It's like people's consciousness is not there. It's like it doesn't have um, any, you know, just uh, forget about the Ten Commandments. Even, you know, forget about God. Forget about Jesus Christ. Forget about salvation. You know, what what are your thoughts in that area, Sister uh, Spencer? Well, you know, I believe that I just, first of all, I just wanted to say that presentation was just so, it was on fire. <laughs> I just, it was just so much in there, it was so rich. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, I think that our nation and us, and even as Christians, you know, I guess because when we think about the scriptures, the scriptures and Jesus and who Jesus was talking to, you know, yes, he was talking to the world at large. But when you think about it, these the scriptures were, were written to primarily people of God. You know what I'm saying? So when there, when we look at think of that uh, in, in that context, it, it just makes me think about how we're living in a generation becoming so desensitized, like you were saying, desensitized to the crime in our neighborhoods, as you mentioned, desensitized to sin, you know, in Noah's day, we, we talked about them having, you know, like you were saying, we need to get control over demonic forces and how wicked they were living in a nation, amidst a generation rather, where wickedness was prevalent all around and that people were thinking about bad things all the time. And it just makes me think about how we're living in a generation of desensitized people, and sometimes 
you know, I, I hope I can be open about this. I think that it affects us, the church, that sometimes, some, even among the young people sometimes, that there's no fear of the Lord. There's no excitement in his word. Now, we grew up hearing about Noah, and we grew up hearing about uh, uh, these men of faith. And we're sure we believe in God, but sometimes the word compromise can take over our lives, and, and if we're not careful, it can take over the church because we're not mm. seeking the face of God in this hour uh, out of reverence mm. and love. We, sometimes we're doing it out of duty. You know, I was mm. reading um, the Minor Prophet book of Amos the other day, and it made me think about how he said something to the nature that people will stagger, you know, from mm. sea to sea, and, and, and they will wander from north to east, and they will be searching mm. for the Lord, but they won't find it. And I just think of our generation, when you think about it, they're thirsty. We're thirsty. We don't even know what we're thirsting for. We we know we're created to serve God, and we're but sometimes emptiness, and we're feeling it to seek it. And if we're not careful, we can become desensitized to the sin that we're seeing, seeing and thinking it's okay, you know. And you know, unfortunately, we are like we were talking about last week. You know, mm-hmm. we live in a culture so desensitized to immorality, desensitized to uh, the movies that we watch that are demonic, that mm. we can lose our own moral compass. You know what I'm saying? And the Bible says in Second Timothy that there will be blasphemers and people unholy and they'd be without self-control and that they'd be lovers of pleasures by the lovers of God. And when we think about that description, when Paul was talking to Timothy then, that description of our world yeah. today, some of us mm-hmm. are not walking out of these movies and we know that we sit in the, in the movies and they have lewd language and they have erotic behavior and mm-hmm. stuff that normally used to help us raise an eyebrow, we don't raise an eyebrow anymore. Yeah. Or we don't walk yeah. out of these movies. We should, mm. When we see stuff like that, it should trigger righteous anger, some indignation. Mm-hmm. But like you said last week, some of us parents are not even regulating entertainment for our children. So why would we be doing it for ourselves? You know, mm-hmm. we spend our hard earned mm-hmm. money on these Hollywood films, and they instilling in our children, instilling in us the opposite of what God is commanding us and calling us to do. You know, we don't, we should welcome, we should not welcome in our home people flaunting sin, whether it's on TV, whether it's people that, you know, anything that glorifies the flesh and curses the name of Jesus. On while on Sundays we want to glorify Him at church. It's, oh it's, Jesus. It's, is 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 it possible for us to obey God with our whole mind and we feed on God ungodliness? The answer is no. But yet we let strangers creep in our homes and creep in our minds. And I just think about the ver- a Bible verse that my um my grandfather would always uh, talk about us and and he would say he loved the King James version of course and he it's, it's with something like my son. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. You know, so basically, mm-hmm. if people are trying to get you to do bad things, say no. So do we let God's word permeate our thinking, or do we let Hollywood run our mind, take up our space, take up our control and our center? We give up control. And like you were saying, we're supposed to be taking control, but we're giving it up. You know, we Christians are told to be guided by God who guard our hearts and our minds. And like you said, the natural man does not receive the spirit of God before it's foolishness mm-hmm. to him. But we we have the mind of Christ. The scripture tells us how to be self controlled 
and the Bible tells us to be thinking on things Amen. that's noble, that's pure, that's lovely, and to, to meditate on these things. But yes, like I like yes. we are like and God is calling us to repentance. When the wrath of God is like you said that we should be trying to out here trying to say why wrath of God is unleashed upon the earth. There's not going to be a quick ticket to a place of safety that somebody can buy. It's not going to be a password you can you can get to obtain immunity from God's coming anger. So God is looking for people that are holy, and he's calling us into repentance today. He's calling for people who are mm-hmm. have godly behavior and are regularly calling on him. And like Jesus said in Luke, that that day is going to come unexpectedly, and let it not become a snare to us that we have to watch and pray so that we can be counted worthy to escape those things when they pass. You know, God is long-suffering toward us, and he doesn't want people to perish, but the day of the Lord, it will come as a thief of the night. So we should be holy in conduct and, and, and try to be godly. So in other words, we need to be living godly lives now if we wish to be spared from God's wrath, and that will be poured out on people who are disobedient. Amen, amen. And it's, and it's like you said, it's holiness by the word of God. Because, you know, what God's word does, it convicts you. It doesn't condemn you. So any word of God is for conviction. So if you feel a little bit funny when it comes to the word of God, the thing is to repent. But when uh, it's like character when people start focusing on character or or outer outer extremities how you dress how you look uh all, all of these kind of things now i mean the holy spirit alone will let you know that you you're not dressed properly so i i, I want to point that out but uh there is a, a specific things we will do according to the holy spirit and according to the word of god to uh, give the appeal on the outside, but the fact that you're not dressed all in white is not going to is is not what God is looking for. The fact that you're not dressed in all blue is not what God is looking for. But what God is looking for is that you allow the God Word of God to work off in you, and He wants to embed that Word of God. He said the Word of God will be written up on your heart like a, a tablet. Uh, is the word of God written upon the heart like a tablet? Now, uh, if it's not, the the thing is to seek the Lord and say, Lord, I want the word of God to rest upon my heart like a tablet so that you will fit off into his form of righteousness. It doesn't come by what man say, but it comes by what God says, in his word, because if you listen to the voice of man, man can fail you, but God cannot fail you. And that's where mm-hmm. um, I, I want to bring this out, because you you made a very good important, important point when you said, uh, I, I don't know if I want to say this because I might offend the church. God is, is, is uh, going to start inside of the church. God is going to work inside of the body of Christ first. Before the outside, because the outside is already, you know, pretty much uh, viewed as being outside. But Paul said that, oh, oh, will we not judge within the things of God within? And and uh, Paul said also, too, do you not know we have the authority to judge angels? Okay, so now 
if if we uh, uh, begin to continue this race of pacifying and not put spiritual government in order, we you see that we the the body of Christ is losing members by the numbers because there's no spiritual government to say this is not not the outer side, not to say that you belong off in this. Uh, environment and you belong in that environment, but to say you belong in the body of Christ, you belong to Jesus Christ uh, uh, type of spiritual government, then, and, and, and what is that spiritual government, that spiritual authority up under Jesus Christ, what does it mean and and how how Jesus Christ want us to function, not how man want us to function, but how Jesus Christ want us to function in and under that spiritual government under Jesus Christ governor because he the Bible said he would be the governor. He would be the what? Counselor. He would be the wonderful God. He would be the Prince of Peace. Now when we sit up under that Prince of Peace, there's gonna be peace. But when we sit Amen. up under the peace of men, the the peace cannot reign. It cannot rule. It cannot reign in, in the earth. Because it doesn't have the reign of God in it, okay? So we're talking about a different structure here that we have to align to according to the word of God to, to keep the body of Christ that's even in existence. Because the Bible, the Bible says he will judge inside of the body of Christ first. Okay, so there's gonna be there's gonna be prophets coming out. There's gonna be apostles coming out. There's gonna be evangelists coming out. And when and when it's word again, it's unto conviction. But when it's when it's about something outside of the word, then it may be condemnation or accusation. Okay, because God will judge by His word. Okay, and His prophets will speak what by His word. Okay, so we have to. Um, I'm focusing so much on the solution, but I want to go back to what it looks like. What 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 does it look like? Are we looking like last days? Are we looking like uh, uh, the earth has increased uh, to the point of not being able to even be spiritually governed? Or are we at a stage, because remember, this was 2,469 days before birth of Jesus Christ, mm. 2,469 days before the birth of Jesus Christ, and that the earth was destroyed, and God had given him 120 years to repent. But you know why I'm so concerned about this? You know, we see all of these catastrophic events uh, coming out, and I'm just wondering, is God, you know, giving us warnings? Because it's not just in America. I mean, we can't look at the Bible and base it on, on America. We have to look at it from a global aspect. And we see all of these uh, fires by, by thunder starting in, in places. We see all of the floods that are going on. And um, so many catastrophic typhoons. Uh, uh, you, you, every catastrophic event that's out there, we see food being contaminated we see water is, is waterborne diseases, uh, water being contaminated, fish floating up on the sea. It's so many things, but we, you know what it is? We have seen it so much. We have seen killing so much. We have seen robbing so much. We have seen all of these things so much. We have become 
like it's a norm. It's it's every day. It does become a way of lifestyle on the earth, and more corruption begins to prevail, as we've seen in Genesis chapter six, twelve. The the earth just continued to prevail in corruption. So uh, we see these things happening, but can the mind um, see it? Now is it is it uh, you know so pressed down that it's just like a normal everyday occurrence? Okay, I saw this, but you know you're still moving on. You you're not paying attention to it anymore. Uh, you have nulled it out of your your thought process. And I'm just going to focus on uh, motivation and 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 is that euphoria? Is it is it a false form of motivation because you went to church and then you come back out and then Monday you just back down again, no energy, no no mm. up and go? Uh, are we are we living a life of euphoria to uh, continue? You know, with uh, oh, it's okay that the corruption is over there. It's not in my house. Oh, it's okay that you know two blocks down the street someone got killed. It didn't touch my block. Is that where we are in this hour, uh, Sister Spencer? Share share your thoughts. I think we like yes. I do think that's where we are. I think we're desensitized. I think we 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 shocked at violent crime. I mean, and and the thing is, is that the media is travels so fast. You know, when I was younger, and you probably could attest to this too, that you know, news and travel was as fast as it did. You know, when I was younger, you know, we, we would get the news, like, from the, the TV and the papers. and But now with social media and, you know, with the recent attacks, um, uh, terrorist attacks that is all over the news now, you know, people are live streaming violence. You know, they are – it's becoming more and more extreme. And when we look at the deteriorating moral values in our nation, when we think about the divorce rates, uh, uh, you know, there's a fierce debate on uh, abortion and gay rights. You know, people talk about, you know, how infiltrated we are, even, you know, with pornography. I mean, it's uh, more accessible. We look at the drug addiction in our communities, and sometimes we see it so much, like you say, that we turn a blind eye. And even, you know, cases like child abuse, child abuse, and you know, are we living in the last days? I would say right now very much it's like the days of Noah when we think about it. We are being oblivious to the coming judgment of God. We're we're eating. We're drinking. We're marrying. We're giving a marriage. We just business as usual, you know, and that shouldn't be the mindset of those who are keeping on the watch or uh, uh, people of God. There's just no awareness that judgment is about to fall upon us. And whether it happens in our lifetime or whether it doesn't, when we look at the New Testament, we see examples of people who were, and then there's the writers of Hebrews. You know, mm-hmm. we we are living in a time that we 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 are if we become desensitized, we can be like the uh, the boiled frog, you know, just sitting there and not being aware that judgment mm-hmm. is about to fall upon us. We don't realize how right we are. For judgment, you know, God. I believe God is trying to shake us from our lethargy, and He waking us up. Like you said, we see a worldwide, you know, disasters and hurricanes and fires, 
you know, the, think about the AIDS epidemic and, you know, and mm-hmm. the world financial, worldwide financial crisis. And, and to try to suggest to a person that's not of God that these indicate this, this is the beginning of sorrows of God's judgment, and they will mock you and laugh at you. You know, the world mm-hmm. may acknowledge their belief in the existence of God, but they live as though God does not exist. There's just mm-hmm. a total lack of fear of a holy and righteous God coming after them. And the prophet Isaiah, he said, woe unto them, you know, who call evil good and good evil. And he, I believe he was speaking about the future woes that's coming upon the earth. When we think about in Revelation, woe, woe, woe to, you know, the earth. Mm-hmm. And woe, woe, yeah. and then the trumpet sounded and the three angels was yet to sign. I, I believe that a day of reckoning is coming, and I believe yeah. that, like you said, it's not just an economic crisis. We don't have just a crisis here in America, but it's a worldwide crisis. And I, and I, I it's moving in that direction. It's definitely mm. moving in that direction, and we are in a state where we're trying to defend ourselves in this generation against the possibility of a nuclear attack from other nations, where people mm-hmm. are. Gathering and worrying and and not trying to negotiate to try to save themselves. Increased knowledge yeah. in, has not saved us. The government cannot save us. Science can't save us. So and, and so we need people who are people of God to need to stand up. That who are willing to go in their closet and pray for our nation and pray for our families, pray for our school systems, pray for our uh, communities, because I believe that God will bring a spiritual revival to sweep our land. I do. I believe that Amen. Amen. We, we can be gathered in times of prayer. I believe that without a spiritual spiritual awakening, that we are done. Mm-hmm. Let's just mm-hmm. hope this to pray, evangelize, as you said earlier, to teach morality from a biblical basis, that the Bible is the only true basis for morality. We need people to shape people, and we need people to behold them themselves before the face of God. Either we're mm-hmm. part of the problem or we're the solution to the problem. And, and like I said, and the government can't save us from what we're doing, what was to come. The only future that we have is the coming of Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can save us. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24. He's talking about the day of his coming. He said immediately, after the tribulation those days, that we'll see him coming in the clouds in heaven with power and glory. So as we face the world today, we, we see the same conditions that existed in those days. We have to realize that we live in a time of judgment, so we should just pray, and God will draw our hearts onto the spirit and free us from the bondage of this, this world and just pray that God will send a revival. And as the world deteriorates around us, it should just be a wake-up call for people of God to live godly, holy, righteous our lives. Like you said, allowing the Spirit to convict us, placing our minds and hearts on the eternity and not just what we're seeing. 2019 has some store for us. It's already <laughs> been a crazy ride with the, with the news and everything, but the Lord has promised to be with us. He has promised to help us. He promised to be with us. So. We should just commit our ways onto him, and he will bring to pass his perfect will in our lives. Amen, amen. And and you brought out uh, some of the solutions as well, um, as you've been talking about. You know, when I'm talking about spiritual government, I'm not talking about 
a physical government here in the earth. Um, Daniel was in the under the government system of a uh, Babylon system, but yet mm-hmm. Daniel functioned with a spiritual mindset in the midst of that that uh, government. Joseph uh, was in the midst of an Egyptian system, and yet he still functioned with a spiritual mindset. So we we will be in this world, but we have to build up the spirit in the earth because we can, you know, there's all kind of people. I'm, I want to point this out. I'm not coming against what you're saying, but I want to bring this out because there's some people that pray. They pray in, when, in yoga. They call that prayer and meditation. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm talking about a prayer by the spirit of the living God that's going to break and shatter some um, demonic forces in the earth. Um, we have to get to that level, and we have to begin to practice it on on a regular basis. Uh, day three times a day, Jesus prayed three times a day. We have uh, spiritual darkness calling out demonic forces 24 hours a day, but we want to only spend 15 minutes. We only want to spend one minute. Some of us wait until it's time to go to sleep, and 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 we putting our head on the pillow, and, and before we know it, we already sleep before the prayer has been done. But we right. have to get to Amen. a point, Jesus Christ, help us. We have to get to a help point us. where we are we, we are being uh, soldiers of the army of the living God and not focusing on the things on this world. Because if we begin to take spiritual dominion and power in the earth and begin to decree a thing as though that it were, we we wouldn't have to worry about somebody uh, crossing the border because we'll be saying every demonic force coming near that border, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and we will be lining it up with the blood of Jesus Christ. But we've gotten to the point where we're moving in the physical again and trying to function in a physical way. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, don't get me wrong, that we shouldn't put physical infrastructure in place. We shouldn't put build up uh, 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 strongholds and fortresses to be able to contain an environment. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm, I can tell you that you could put it there in, in the great wall and that was in place before it fell down. Okay, so I'm saying that by the Spirit, Holy Ghost, we can begin to speak some things into being to set some the the principalities of wickedness at bay in Jesus' mighty name. And and so it's gonna take people who are ready to uh, spend some long time in prayer. No matter where you are, if you can come together and fellowship and pray, great. If you can do it in in your bathroom, great. If you can do it in 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 your living room, great. Wherever you can do it, you need to stand up and begin to pray against these forces. And you also need to pray against the work of the enemy in the air, in the covenant, in the sea, and on the land. So. We, you need to connect with people who know how to pray and who know how to break those barriers down and, 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 and remain faithful under the covenant of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So th- that's some of the solutions as well. And so we're not talking about any kind of, just any kind of prayer. We're talking about a Jesus Christ prayer. Jesus Christ have given us also 
ways to pray. We can see other ways that the apostles pray. We can see other ways that uh, the minor prophets prayed. We can see how they were speaking things into being before because Jeremiah spoke 70 days that they would be in uh, Babylon. Daniel shortened the time by getting on his face and praying for 21 days till he was faint. Hallelujah. We we can change time. We can provoke the heart of God if we pray. And so how does God, when we look at how God felt at that time about what was going on in the days of Noah, the Bible says his spirit was not able to strive with man. That's pretty serious. Mm-hmm. His spirit was not able to strive with man. It says he was, but he he was long suffering through this. Again, 120 years he gave them to repent, and not only that, during the time of the building of the uh, uh, of the ark, he was long suffering, waiting for de- uh, the ark to be completed by Noah, and he felt like destroying the men that he had created. From the face of the earth Wow That's pretty serious And he said mm-hmm. he was grieved in his heart So I, I I just wanted to leave that For you For everybody to think about And to open your eyes And see what's going on around you And to pray Just stop in Where you are And start praying for the things that you see And not close your eyes to it And say it's not there we have to begin to pray. Put a plan in place for Noah. He put a plan in place for Noah. And he saw him as being righteous. And he tells him how to build the ark. He established a covenant with Noah in those last days. And he he gave him a, a system of being able to be sustained in the ark. He even graciously closed the door of the ark for Noah and his family And God remembered Noah through it all But With all of that We have to understand what kind of Position was Noah in Let, Let's talk about that uh, Sister Spencer and after this I will open the lines for Any of our guests to, to be able to uh, Give insights Or ask for prayers or uh, Ask any questions that they May have Amen. I mean, he lived in a wicked generation that was largely removed from God. He he lived in a generation that thought about wickedness all the time. He lived in a generation where he was contending with demonic forces as he was trying to fill out his commission to God. And, you know, he didn't live, uh, and nor we shouldn't be uh, feel like, you know, Noah was without sin himself. But yet God spared him because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. No, Noah was not without sin, but he, like you said, he made a covenant with him. You know, he agreed with God about the evil of the of of the sin, and he turned. He obviously turned away from it, and he's called righteous and he's called blameless, and and, and that doesn't mean that he was sinless. But it was by faith we learned mm-hmm. somewhere in Hebrews. That God Hebrews warned him, Hebrews right? 11. He, yeah. That mm-hmm. He warned him, and He took heed, and He He made that ark. 
and, and, and he, like you said, it was only eight people saved, but he not only saved himself, but he saved his household. And, and, and he, I think the scripture says that he uh, became an heir to righteousness, you know, that he condemned the world. So even, Noah was not the exception to the rule when it came to sin, but obviously God, he had a, a something that was redeemable and, and he found favor and, gra- and grace in his eyes. And, and we should be wanting to do the same as we're living in a generation that, you know, again, mocking and who find the gospel ridiculous and, 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 and it, it, it stings, you know, he was a, he was a preacher of righteousness and, and, we know that Jesus tells us, like he said in Matthew 24, that that flood is just a foreshadow of what is to come. And if Noah's warning and gospel sound a foolishness to his hearers, how much more does our warning and gospel sound, you know, foolish to others? So our call is not to be respected by the unbelievers. Our call is to trust God, you know, so that he can find favor with us like he found favor with Noah. And, and not find contempt in us and to endure what Jesus endured and so that we can preach the gospel for the sake of all of those who are being saved too. And as far Amen. as um, I, the the word, you know, God's patience does come to an end. You know, that kind of rang out to me. You know, some people, when they read Noah, you know, just them, you know, talking with other people, I think they think this is a children's story. You know, they sense like it's a, you know, because it's something that they've been told over and over again. And, you know, some people, you know, they probably need to take the word of God a little bit more serious. But I do believe that it teaches us that even Noah living in the midst of a wicked world, that God hates sin, he punishes sin, and he doesn't uh, hold back his judgment. You know, he had already decided when Noah built the ark that, Noah was going to be saved, you know, he already had decided that, you know, that the world, world would, you know, uh, that the, uh, that he was going to bring judgment. It was up to man to be able to reconcile themselves to God. And, and I think that, you know, even with just thinking about what Noah had to contend with, not just fleshly man, you know, man just acting crazy and not following God. He also had to contend with, um, Demonic forces, and like you're saying, how it's so it's so vital for us to be able to take dominion and for us to take authority over these things. And I just think that in our 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 um, you know in our ministry, like Noah, you know, living in the midst of a wicked generation, that we have to keep in mind that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood; that we are wrestling with the amount of forces in high places and how important, you know, being in spiritual warfare and prayer is vital to not only our ministry, because it was for Paul, like we discussed last week, that he was contending with demonic forces on his ministry with that girl, but even Noah, who had no doubt had to contend with this as well. So to answer your question, yeah, Noah was contending with a lot. Not only did he have this humongous task, of building something that nobody ever seen before and telling people rain, rain was going to fall and nobody had seen rain before, but he had to contend with, you know, people, you know, being sexually perverted and wicked all the time and, a, you know, a, a demonic uh, influence. So 
I, even in our day, we should not think that our day would be any different because, as you said, Jesus told us that it would be the same. Yes, yes. And and it certainly is written um, for the body of Christ. We know that it's written. And I pray, my prayer is that people will have a desire to return to the first, their first love when they first came to know Jesus Christ and that they will wallow in it in faith, believing that they can overcome all the things of this world and listen to the voice of God. And God speaks through his word. So I'm going to open up the lines for the callers. If you have any questions, insights, anything you would like to share at this time, please feel free to do so and state your name and where you're calling from. If you choose to remain anonymous, feel free to do so. The caller, the lines are open. Uh, callers, the lines are open. Okay, if not, then we'll continue on um, with the topic uh, we're speaking. Yes. Please. Hello. Yes. Yes. Hi, I'm I'm calling. Um, my name is Gigi from Georgia, and I'm calling, and I listen to your show as much as possible. And I wanted to say that I I really appreciate the inspiration and the knowledge that you and the, that your co-hosts and guests always preach. But I had a question for you uh, today. I was listening to the radio show. I got cut off for a moment. But I wanted to, my five-year-old great-grandson was asking me just the other day. He said to me, how do I know who is the devil and who is God? And, you know, I was listening to, a, you know, you about talking about the demonic forces and everything. And right now we're reading in Genesis. He's five years old, but he's learning very quickly. And I try to tell him and explain him as much as possible. But what would be your answer? Or how could I give it to him in a different way? He's five years old because he's wondering um, why are so mm-hmm. many people evil in the world and why are so many people that are good are being killed. So with your with your your show today, it all ties into pretty much what he was asking and what I was reading to him yesterday. Amen. Amen. Um, Minister Spencer, would you like to uh, speak on that? But you know, I'm in my early walk. I'm learning to recognize the voice of God. You know, we know that. Um, I, I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that every thought that runs through our head is from God, or how do we know that God is prompting us, or when Satan is whispering to us? And when we look at, think about it, our own inner world. The scripture tells us that Satan has the least the capacity to influence, you know, around us. You know, it are, he can also, you know, I believe, influence what we think about ourselves if we're not careful, our own inner conversation that we have with ourselves if we're being tempted by the devil. Um, Satan speaks through sometimes our thoughts and it's only to do harm. He speaks to us through discouragement uh, to tempt us. And to do into sin, uh, frustration. Sometimes he can oppress us with depression, or we feel despair, or we feel that we're away from God. His all his goal is always to divide us from God, to cripple us, to uh, make us think something other than what God has called us 
to think about ourselves and to prevent us from obeying and serving him. So the voice of the enemy for me it has been sometimes is when he speaks to me, uh, tries to speak to me with my situation, and I start to think my situation is hopeless, and I get me- I feel like I'm getting an me- overall message where I'm starting my inner conversation and I'm condemning myself. Uh, like Donna was saying earlier that we're walking in condemnation, you know, and that God convicts us to holiness, but it never condemns us. You know, you start thinking, you know, things like you're a failure, you know, you're all alone, nobody cares about you, or nobody to help, or God is mad at you, or God doesn't care about you, he'll never help somebody like you, you know, and it just goes on and on. We know that Satan is a destroyer, and he uses whatever messages he can to discourage us and distract us and disorient us, and when we walk in feeling defeated or hopeless about a situation, that's probably a good sign that Satan is at work in our inner world when it feels right sometimes to nurse our wounds and stay angry at somebody because, you know, we're walking around in unforgiveness. That's probably a good sign that we're allowing Satan to take some of our territory. So if we find ourselves in, in, in this situation, we know that the voice of the Holy Spirit is very different. It, it, it brings as always, edification. Like Donna was speaking earlier, his messages is intended to lift us up, to encourage us, to bring us strength, joy, and peace. So when we hear messages like, you know, I'm ne- you're never alone, or you're my beloved child, you're mine forever, believe in me, or my plans are good for you, and we are recounting scripture, does that mean that the whole voice of the Holy Spirit always makes us feel good? No. You know, sometimes we sin. But in those times, the voice of God brings us back to repentance and discipline and he corrects us. So I I believe the key is that Satan brings judgment and condemnation and God comes with conviction and a way to get through it and a way forward. You know, Satan tells you, you sin too many times for God to forgive you again, or you're weak and you're hopeless. You know, oh, this sin was the last straw. God is against you now, or it won't do any good to apologize us. You know, he tempts us with rationalization, excuses, and just outright lies to keep us in sin. And sometimes we can fall for it easily because we don't want to deal with the sin in the first place. He keeps us trapped in a cycle with hurt feelings and we embarrass or even in pride. And he encourages us to, like, nurse our pain and whispers that somehow that God is not with us and we should stay away from God. And God is the exact opposite. You know, the Holy Spirit can tells us, you know, what you did was wrong, but you're forgiven. Here's what you need to do to make the situation right. You know, let me help you take the next step. Don't deny your sin. Confess it and receive forgiveness. If that's not how the voice sounds, but if, you know, if that that is how you can recognize the voice of God. It takes, I think it takes maturity, and I think it's a walk, it's a journey with God, recognizing the voice of God. But I think the test is very simple, like, Next time you hear something that is uh, that is not a, and you're trying to determine whether it was God, I think I usually ask myself is is it keeping me trapped and away from God, or is it moving me forward and toward God in obedience? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, uh, and and I w- I would like to add to that too. Um, that per the purpose that you're doing also is from the Word of God. Um, everything in there gives you uh, 
you know, that inward, in, in you, you said something earlier, um, Sister that when you went into, if you go in to watch these movies, it should give you an inner conviction or an inner, uh, you just don't spiritually, you don't spiritually feel sound. And one of the reasons why is because your mind is framed by the word of God. Your mind is uh, set by the word of God. And Jesus is the word. And so the word is in you. And it's a light, it's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It keeps you on the narrow path and lets you know, oh, you're getting off on the wrong path. Nope, this is a dark path. This is the right path. You see, this doesn't look like me. This looks like me. This doesn't smell like me. It it doesn't taste like me. You know, so those outer extremities that we have are our uh, gates, the eyes, the smell, the taste, the seeing, the feeling, um, it becomes enlightened that this is not of God because it doesn't look like God. It doesn't taste like God. It doesn't feel like God. And and um, that's how you begin to discern the wickedness because the more the word of God is off in you, it, it just doesn't, the, the thing that's out there, it just don't line up with it. And you can also see the nature of, of Satan in this word. You can see the nature of the beast in this word. You can see... Um, the demonic forces in this word, how they function and how they come in. And God, how he talks to the uh, principalities like the prince of Tyre, how he speaks to him, and the kings of darkness like the kings of Tyre, how he spoke to him and what the kings of Tyre and the prince of Tyre look like and their traits and, and, and their the way they function. So you know that this is not of God and you know this is of God. Uh, by by that, so I, I believe that you, uh, when the, the words is coming to you, also are identifying that it doesn't structure and it doesn't align with the word of God, and so it hits you in your where the two edged sword hits. It hits you there, and 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 you, the Holy Spirit begins to press out again. And nope, this is not God. I resist it. I reject it. I bind it up. I silence it out. Mm-hmm. And and um. And then you take authority over it and not allow it to, to settle in, inside of you. And so you're doing the most perfect thing uh, for for uh, your grandson, and that is, is teaching him the full context, the, the things that are in the Bible, so he can relate to it and see that, yeah, this is, this is God's nature right here. No, that's not God's nature, you know. And not only that, uh, that's a, going to lead to him having a born of God nature. Now, um, will he be tempted before, especially before the age of 18? Uh, yeah, but I think, you know, with the root that is in in the belly, it, it will stay there and he will come back and cling to it. You, know, you understand? I do, because I've told him that we live in an evil empire. And that Jesus is Lord, and and so to speak, in, in a way that I was talking to him, I said, actually, Jesus is smarter than everybody. He is Lord. He has a PhD, and I explained to him what it meant to have a PhD, and he told me, he said, well, that's awesome because someone else told me that Jesus is not real, and I told him he is very real, and he'll have to absorb and have faith and keep walking and keep listening and to keep taking the Bible lessons that we're giving him at home to understand good from evil. Um, you know, even with the evil movies that I was 
I heard you were talking about a Christian wouldn't go to one of those movies because the outcome is always mocking God in a way or mocking the justification of what happened in that movie. So why even go to it? You know, so these are all the things that these kids are coming up with today and they're asking, where's God, where's Lord, who is Jesus? And, and, And the whole world seems to be a potpourri of just an evil empire that's just taking the the kid, the child, you know, their minds into a different perspective. So we really got to work hard, I believe, personally, on keeping our kids in faith, grounded in faith, walking by sight, not by sound, and helping them to move in the world because it's really coming mm-hmm. to an end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Minister Spencer, um, did you have any other things that you wanted? Share in that area. Well, I was just with listening to uh, what you were saying. How important it is to have the Word of God because, you know, I know with um, my children are small and they're not. They're, I'm, I'm trying to rear them and and I I'm learning how important it is that even you know even kids and my the kids that I have at their age how they are. A lot more, how can I say it, exposed to a lot of different things than I, than I wasn't. And even at their young age, you know, one of my sons came to me. Uh, I actually had a talk with him yesterday. He had a crisis of faith himself. I, they're teaching evolution in school. And my son is, you know, really into science and very much into, um, you know, technology, and but mostly science. And it was a difficult conversation to have because, you know, I felt I felt like I've been rearing my son in the face all this time, and then he goes and takes a science class at school, and he's telling me that he don't know if God exists. I didn't know how to handle that. You know, I know that he's only 10 now, and he articulated his argument very well, but it impressed upon me the fact that I don't, I don't need to always shout the word. At my at my son that the word will take root when it takes root. I just have to be firm in what I believe. And some of us uh, Christians, you know, we have to. I, you know, I I feel like God is calling me rather to learn how a different way to evangelize and reach the heart of my son. You know, to be able to be almost apologetic or defend the faith um, because you know I didn't really contend with that in school. We were taught in school, but it was not, you know, he's coming home, you know, asking me if we involve from apes and, you know, we going, it's almost a back and forth, you know, yeah. about God. It, it really, I had to not be offended <laughs> because right. I'm right. like, where did you get all of this from? You know, I, well, all this work I've put in you and if somebody can uproot this just that quick, you know, well, so. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that, you know, that just happened yesterday, and and just what the caller is saying is just impressing upon me that, you know, it is a a, a realm of darkness that's just out, we out there. We know that we're not just contending with the teachers or the professors and these philosophy classes in college, or we know we're not just contending with uh, just, you know, people who, you know, uh, well, like my uh, sister who professes to be atheist always Mm -hmm. spouting this nonsense about Jesus being a myth and Jesus not being real and, 
you know, what she learned on the Internet and, you know, all of this research she claims she has done and she wants me to be woke and awakened. And I just asked God, I'm like, where is all of this coming from? And I believe that God has placed it upon my heart for some reason with the community that I'm able to reach and talk to as I, I'm not shy about me being an extra hope witness. And most of them, unfortunately, turn to atheism and agnosticism and who that Satan is using. If he can uproot the faith of your child and that you're trying to build or you're trying to uh, get, you know, uh, get the word rooted in them, if they can do it, if he can do it even young with my 10-year-old, he certainly can do it with your son, who was a, a lot exposed to a lot more than my ten-year-old son. So I just wanted to let you know that you're not alone. That you know it's just something that we're fighting with. And as people of God, is you know you can be offended at first because you're like, you know, how in the world can you say you don't believe in God? And you, you know, I, you know, I'm a woman of faith, and all you know is God, or you know. I've been talking to you about this over and over again. I I think God is calling for us to be able to defend our faith well because, unfortunately, we have to defend the faith against, you know, the attacks on the Bible and attacks on God, you know, just as almost aggressive sometimes as the teachers or philosophers or these so-called, you know, learned men are in the world. But stay strong, sister. I have been praying, and I pray almost all night yesterday um, about that because it, I didn't, I, 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 my normal answers, I think I, I thought worked, but he's getting into an, another age, you know, where he's challenging me a little bit more. And mm-hmm. at 10 years old, I'm, I'm just going to have to dig into the word and, you know, be around seasoned Christians to be able to learn how to, you know, defend the faith against, you know, attacks on whether or not Jesus existed or whether or not, or whether or not, uh, evolution and creation argument. Right. I, I believe that. And thank you because I believe that living in, in his favor as it teaches us in, in Isaiah 1 and 2, because I was reading that to him the other night. If we live in his favor, then we will already automatically know that Jesus is real. He, he lives, he exists, and there's nothing or no one that can deny that. So step by step, I'm just teaching him, and I really appreciate, you know, your um, support with all the sisters uh, here on the station today. I think that um, in a day's work, I believe that through Christ, Jesus Christ, we get some inkling of another piece of a lesson that we can teach to someone else. So... um, the devil is always busy, that's all I can say. And that with these people that are uh, a lot of atheists are in my family and they don't believe in God, and, you know, they tell me, oh, you're just crazy, Reggie. You just, you can't know what you're saying. Nobody's listening to you, but you are. So so obviously you're the devil and it's bothering you. So, you know, um, really hard. It's an evil empire. Yeah, you know, you know, one of the things that um, I've learned in time, there's a lot of um, books and uh, literature even online that is free. That if you, uh, you know, to get it, you see, one of the things if you, a strong teacher, 
is one that has seen the view of the other side. You know? Yeah. Because if we just tell them this is Christ and we don't know how their views is, then the Holy for us to allow the Holy Spirit to use us, we need to understand where they're coming from. Um, and then apply biblical scripture that is supportive of it. And not only in in the physical, the nat- in the, the natural, but we also have to uh, bring it in the spiritual. So if you teach your children in the early stage to know God himself, and the way what I'm saying is then, God, if you if you for real reveal yourself to me, you know, teach him to do that because God will reveal himself to him. He revealed himself to David. David was mm-hmm. a little shepherd boy, you know. Um, many of them in the Bible when they were in a, a younger state. So we have to uh, begin to encourage them to have that their own intimate relationship um, with God, and by saying, you know, talk to God, um, have a relationship with God. Speak to God and ask him to reveal himself to you, and he will do that. And I I believe God will do it because uh, he's not going to not answer the call of of a child. You believe he won't answer? He will reveal himself. So let him him start teaching the child to uh, talk to God themselves, okay? You know, I believe God will reveal, God will speak to you, and I believe God will reveal himself to you either through a dream or vision or some kind of way. So start talking to God and ask him if you're for real, Lord. And also Romans chapter 1 in itself, it says that, you know, and a good answer in there if you just read Romans chapter 1 for them um, about it. Because how how did a cow get in the belly of a cow, a, a calf get in the belly of a cow? You know, and how, who tells, man never tells a cow to be, Black or green or white or, or or red or brown. How how did that cow get that way? And make them start thinking, you know. And also too, let them um, understand that. Have you ever seen a man walk out of the sea yet in your lifetime? Mm-hmm. Have you ever? You you start asking them questions like that because there's books to counteract it. Okay. And there's literature to counteract those things that they're teaching. Um, I, I, I've studied them before in the past. So if you want to understand the other side, T.O. Lewis was... was um, yes, you know, I read him. So he has a lot of, lot of, and especially his old recordings, he has a lot of wealth of information out there to, to be able to counteract uh, those thoughts. So that that's the best way to go. See and see, you you would be very strong, knowing uh, what you know now. Uh, against like if if I wanted to uh, was was going to talk to a uh, a Muslim, I I know what to say because I've studied enough to know. You understand? I can't I can't condemn uh, another religion. I can't condemn uh, another. That's not what it's all about. But it's about bringing out truth, you know. It's about bringing out truth because Quran has truth that are written in this word. You and I have to relate to to a person as to what they know and how they see things. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So we have to go deeper in those areas and, and not to look at it to learn it that we're going to, going to use it uh, or that it's going to reinterpret us. We shouldn't have a fear that it's going to reinterpret us because we walk by faith. We walk by faith. In Jesus' name. And C.S. Lewis and that's is actually a really good, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to touch you up, but C.S. Lewis is a really good, because I've started reading him and even reading the backstory of his life. I don't know if the sister is still on the line, but reading the backstory of his life, people do, you know, as much as you think you're, you're uh atheist or agnostic family, you know, like I said, I have a sister who identifies as atheist, you know, and we... I'm always constantly trying to, you know, look on apologetic sites and try to answer some of the harder questions that she answers. You know, you you serve well to do that. But C.S. Lewis, I mean, people change. People do come to God out of, there are testimonies of people who are who are agnostic and who atheists who are no longer. So it, it, it happens. But you're right. You have to know their side. You have to know their arguments. And you have to know the word of God. So I'm hoping that those things, and thank you so much, Donna, will help me to reach my son. But it's a little bit different because, you know, my emotions are all tied in. <laughs> you know, that's my baby. But, you know, it was it took me aback for a little bit. I have to say it knocked me off my square a little bit to know that the ministry that I felt like I was called to, that it could possibly be a, an indication of that my own son was, you know, battling with the same thing. Not, it's not easy to hear, you know, nor is it easy to um, try to overcome. But I think if also I can take the emotion out of it and get on my knees and pray about it and, like you said, research and the other side and come up with some good arguments and some of the harder questions, we can't just throw the Bible at people. We have to defend our faith really well. That's what Peter did. I mean, Paul did. You know, Paul, when he was talking to the Athens, Athens, the men of Athens, he sought agreement, like you said, because there's truth in something everywhere. He sought agreement, but what what he could agree on before he preached the word. There's also, home, with that. There's also homeschooling, um, you know, and so many other avenues such as um, placing your children in uh, Christian schools. Some of them offer scholarships. So you can look into things like that as well, um, you know, to make sure that their the mind is in the same framework. But it, it's also good for them to be challenged because if they go into college, it's the same thing. To teach. Uh, it, it all depends on the college that they go to. Um, so we're, we're dealing with different times. Coming up, uh, I remember even at a time where we were still praying in school when I was in school. So um, Mm -hmm. so we're just dealing with different times, so we have to really be prayerful for our children and dedicating them before Jesus Christ on a consistent basis and um, just being prayerful. And and, and that, you know, Muslim children, when they grow up, um, one thing I love about them is that they bring their children up uh, to train them that by the time of 12, they can speak the sewers without even picking up the um, wow. The same thing with Jews. Uh, one thing I love as well is uh, the the, um, the consistency 
and persistence. Um, their children by the age of a certain age, they, they understand the Psalms and different things, you know. So um, there's nothing wrong with our children understanding and knowing those things, too. We try to look at them as being young, but we also have to look at that they're capable of learning. If they can look at cartoons and remember the type of cartoons they watch, they can right. they can definitely be able to learn um, that word of God and to, to be able to, um, you know, and pray that the Lord will put the, the, the Holy Ghost in them just as, as it is in, in, in adults. As David mm-hmm. said, David was a shepherd out in the field, and he knew God. I mean, because he was like he, when he felt distant from him, he knew what to do. He prayed to seek him. So we have to be there soon. We have to teach our children to do it. So I say it again from experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to, <laughs> I want us to uh, close out now, and we're going to ask uh, Minister uh, Spencer, we close us out and, and give God thanks and pray for the people Everyone out there, I, I, I also want to say this before we close out, too. Um, uh, to, to anyone that's listening out there, um, this this is a, a time where we really need to be in prayer and faith and seeking the Lord, not only for ourselves but for the children, um, for, for the women, for the men, for everyone out there. And we need to pray for our leaders to be strong in this hour, that we can build up a spiritual government that will uh, increase the reign of God in earth at this time. In Jesus' name, Minister, uh, uh, Sister Spencer, I know you said you're not a minister, but I keep calling you that for a reason. I guess God has put it there. Um, Can you please pray for us as we close out? In Jesus' name. Uh, Sister Spencer, can you please Thank pray? you. Sorry, I, I hit, oh. I'm sorry. I hit okay. mute for a second. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, God, for allowing us to convene together under the, under your spirit. We th- we just praise you for the gift of unity, God, that spirit, the spirit cre- creates in our relationships, God. We ask you that you inspire us, God, to be able to use the gifts that we've been blessed with for your kingdom. We ask you that and thank you for allowing us to be able to dig into your word and to know the times that we're living in and recognize that not only that we can become desensitized, but you're calling us a greater God, that you've called us to be separate and holy and to live apart from this world so that, that the world can look at us and come into repentance, God. We know that none of us can do anything on our own, God. But together we can complement each other, God, in the kingdom. And we just thank you for the ideas that you've spoken to our lives here today. And and thank you for every voice that was heard on the line today. You know, one by one, God, we speak, stand, and we speak, and we work, and we see your hand on our lives. We see individual pieces moving into place. We strive to do your will, God. And piece by piece to do it until you call us home. Bless us all today who met together on the line. Each of us have a life outside of this line today. There's some real hurts that's going on. There's some real hurt that people are dealing with. There's some real needs that people have, and a lot of them are not being met. 
So we pray that you meet the needs of those who are aching for help. We ask that you take the love that we feel for each other and to guide ourselves ourselves, and to guide our steps to be extensions of your love to those that you have placed on our hearts today. And as we bow our heads and we lift up our voices to you, we lift up our plans to you, God, we pray that you bless our hearts and our minds to know that we have done well in your guise. We pray for your assurance that we're operating with your, within your will. Lord, we believe in you to provide for us. We are asking that you touch the people on this line, that you light up dark places and lift sad hearts. We know our passion for our discussion today is fueled by you and that you are, we are, are the same mind and that you have the same passion that drove us today, created us to be the light of the world, to be bring life to dead places, to love, to lost faces. So we ask that you bless our work and bless our time, guide our steps, God. We ask that as we leave here today that we take that same passion with us and that we inspire us to move others to love. And through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, God, we ask that you Inspire us to seek you and to seek your word daily. Help us to grow individually. Help us to grow together. Help us to seek the peace of your presence. Help us to walk faithfully and, and, and to walk fiercely after you and to reflect your love. And most of all, God, we do everything for your honor and glory, for we know that we are nothing without you. Use our lives, God, to reach those who desperately need to know you. And desperately need to know that you love them today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. Amen. 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 And thank you so Amen. much. Bless everyone. Amen. And may the grace of God be with you. And may He empower and equip you. That means give you anointing to get anointing to be able Amen. to run the race that we're running. In Jesus' mighty name. God bless everyone. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for this show. Wonderful show.